Good morning, Mission View. All right. Hey, every Sunday is a great day uh, to worship with you. Uh, but this morning, uh, I'm especially filled uh, with a, just a tremendous amount uh, of, of thanksgiving and gratitude. Um, you guys have been on a, a, a tremendous journey with us. And all along the way, uh, Maranatha Bible Church has been right there beside us um, at, at any point asking, what do you need? What can we do for you, with you? How can we support you? And from the very beginning, uh, they began filling this pulpit uh, with just amazing, amazing Bible teachers. And we have been so blessed uh, to not have to worry about who is going to teach the word from this pulpit every Sunday morning. And as we continued on that journey, it became apparent to us that as the pastor search was taking some time, um, that it would be great for this ministry if we could have an interim pastor. And uh, Maranatha Bible Church did not hesitate. Craig had been filling this pulpit so well, stepped right in. Um, knowing Steve for so long, it was seamless. He walked right in. There was absolutely no hiccup whatsoever. Uh, and as a ministry, we did not skip a beat. And uh, it has been so amazing uh, to, to come into church every Sunday morning uh, and see him preach from this pulpit. And I know I have been blessed. I think we've all been blessed. And so it's a little bittersweet this morning uh, to, to let you all know that this is Craig's, really his, his last regularly scheduled Sunday to preach from this pulpit. Uh, Matt Hopp will be beginning ministry full-time with us uh, this week and will be uh, filling this pulpit next week. Uh, but I, I know Craig is going to be back, and Craig is going to continue, uh, along with Maranatha Bible Church, to be a support and a tailwind for us. And uh, really, just as a ministry, we wanted to take this morning uh, just to say thank you to, to Maranatha uh, and to Craig for all that he has done and all that they have done to support this ministry. Um, one thing you may not know is, is during this process, we, we did take time to prayerfully consider, hey, I wonder if Craig could permanently fill this seat. And for many reasons, um, God had, had let on our hearts and, and Craig's heart that th that wasn't the calling on his part, on, on his life. And, and one of those reasons is because God had placed a completely different calling and ministry on his heart. Um, and it's Equip Ministries. And uh, as a showing of our gratitude, we wanted to do a couple of things for Craig. One, um, because Maranatha Bible Church has not asked anything of us in, in, in the form of support, monetary or otherwise, um, we're excited this morning, Craig, to announce that we want to start your, help you start your ministry uh, with a nice seed gift as a token of our appreciation. And we would love for you to be able to come up and just tell us a little bit about that. So as a show of our gratitude, would you please welcome Craig to the stage? Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, just wanted to take a couple minutes to say thank you to you uh, for you being here a part of this ministry, uh, for every week coming in and hopefully being fed by God's word. Uh, thank you for your, your warmth, your support. Uh, some of you I've had a chance to talk to, others just in passing. And so uh, this is a great church, and I cannot say that about every church, okay? I would be very... Um, how do I say it? I, I would be wrong in standing up here this morning and saying this is a great church when it's not. Um, God is doing a work here, and uh, you are a part of that. And so thank you for your warmth and your hospitality, your, your generosity, uh, but just uh, knowing that there is still work that is going on. 
I would, I would challenge you with this. Do not forget about Steve. But don't camp out there as well. Uh, there's a lot of things that Steve did in bringing this church to North Canton. And many of you knew him and some of you didn't know him all that well. I hope we would never forget Steve Marshall and uh, how wonderful he is. And there will be times where you will think of him and it just will come like that. I was in Thailand and we're in this boat. Uh, it's like a little marketplace on, the, on this little river thing. And I look up and when Steve first went to Thailand, he came back and he wore this like burlap sack shirt. It was so ugly. It was so ugly. And he was so proud to wear it. He wore it for like three weeks in a row. And I just thought, that thing's hideous. And we're going through this marketplace, and I turn, and I see that shirt. And I just was gripped again by the impact that Steve has had in my life. So don't forget about him. But don't camp out there either. Because with Matt coming in, uh, vision being casted, uh, wanting to see this church being uh, used greatly in North Canton, around the world, uh, there is another chapter that God has for Mission View. And so we have to be willing to embrace that next chapter uh, for the glory of God. And so uh, as uh, these guys have been incredible in being able to uh, be steadfast in asking God, who do you want us to uh, have as a lead pastor? And God has brought you Matt and he will be in next week. And hopefully you will embrace him as you have embraced me and uh, just help uh, him to see and help him to get his feet uh, on the ground and his family and just reach out to him in any way that you can. Thankful for elders, for Randy and Josh and Todd who uh, are committed and the help of, of Pat Culpepper as well of just being able to be a part of what's going on here. So Josh had mentioned, uh, I think most of you, if you've seen me preaching up here, you see my heart for missions. Uh, and uh, there isn't a, a sermon that goes by that I don't somehow share about some place that I've been. And that's not to brag about places that I've been, because there's places where I think I don't want to go there again. Uh, but God has laid on my heart to uh, begin a missions organization. Uh, that a year ago, God laid this on my heart and on Matt Young's heart, who is my colleague. Uh, over the last four or five years, I have been going to different countries and providing Bible training to pastors who have little or no Bible training at all. And we, we have a hard time understanding that sometimes because there's so many Bible colleges here and so much available to us here that we think they, they've got to have stuff overseas, and they don't. And so uh, little by little, the Lord has just laid upon my heart to be able to uh, uh, equip Ministries International to be able to provide biblical training for pastors who virtually have nothing uh, in third world countries, and plus providing resources in their own language, which they do not get. And so we are working with translators to provide and to uh, give them resources in their own language. And so we're super excited about it. We're planning on taking some groups as well to do English as a second language, some evangelistic things that we're doing. And so you can really be praying. It's in your bulletin this morning. We go to uh, right out of the gate, uh, September 1st, we launch. September 7th, we go to Cambodia for 10 days to minister to 40 pastors that need trained. Uh, we will be in Guatemala in October. At the end of October, we will be in uh, Myanmar, some of you are like, where is that? It's above Thailand, Myanmar, for almost 15 days uh, ministering to uh, uh, pastors and leaders and training them. 
And then uh, after the first of the year, we're in Ghana and Moldova and Kenmore and Barberton and all the uttermost parts of the place. So uh, we're, we're grateful for what God's done. So if you'd like more information uh, on the table out there, there is a little packet called Equip Ministries International. And if you would pray for us and can help us uh, kind of kickstart our ministry. And thank you for, for that. Uh, that was unexpected. And so uh, thank you so much for, for uh, what you've done in this ministry and continue to do. So Steve, thank you. Here. <laughs> okay. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer right now. So if you'd join us mm. in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you and we thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord, to our body here at Mission View. Um, Father, we're just grateful of the fact that when there are gaps, you've been always there to fill gaps. And we thank you for your servant, Craig, Lord, for uh, using him as a, a resource and as a tool here to encourage us, to proclaim the word, uh, to be faithful in his walk, and to just uh, help shepherd us, uh, Lord, as um, we've had the, the need that we have. Um, we just pray, Father, that you continue to bless Craig's ministry. We lift up to you Equip Ministries. We pray for Craig and we pray for Matt. We ask, Father, that you'd go before them, that you'd create great opportunities for them to use their tools, their resources, their gifts to be able to serve you and to be, tr to be able to train up leaders, Lord, to proclaim the, the good news and to further the, the great commission. Lord, we just uh, ask your hand of blessing upon them. Lord, we think further of just here in our own area. Uh, we lift up to you, Carrie Duckett and Grace Bible Church. Lord, we pray for them this morning, Lord, that your spirit would move in their midst that you'd be honored, that you'd be praised, and that you'd help reach their community for Jesus Christ. And uh, Lord, we just pray your hand upon them. Lord, we pray for our services here today. Lord, that you would uh, minister in our midst as well. We thank you for the opportunity to praise you, to worship you, and we just pray, Father, that as your word spoken today, uh, that it would be powerful, Lord, and that you'd just speak to our hearts. Lord, we thank you for the offering that's about to be received. We uh, just pray that you would uh, multiply it and use it for your purpose, and Lord, that you'd be honored. Lord, we just commit all of this to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we launch into this morning, I want to just also make a comment about uh, the staff here. Over the last number of months, I've had the privilege of being able to come down on Mondays and uh, spend time with the staff. And uh, you have a wonderful staff here. Uh, they are fun to be with. Uh, they uh, love the Lord, and so we have taken a lot of time to be able to uh, heal some wounds and cry a little bit and laugh a lot, and so you are blessed to have a, a great staff here. And so uh, I think about these teenagers that are heading out for a missions trip this week, and uh, I want to take a minute and pray for them, that God would use them mightily. And how many of you uh, are parents here of these teens? Just raise your hand. I'll pray that you have a phenomenal week when they are gone. And so uh, let me pray for them. Lord, thanks for a great week. I pray for these teens, Lord, that it would be a defining moment in their life, that they would find themselves saying, Lord, I will honor you, I will serve you, and Lord, even in the midst of peer pressure, I will not waver, that I will be uh, God's man uh, God's woman doing God's business for God's glory. And so, Lord, whatever you have them do this week, I pray that they would do it with their whole heart, that whatever they would put their hand to do, you would use them and you would bless them, that this wouldn't just end at the end of this week. But Lord, there is a fire and a passion and a desire to walk with you, and that will go right into the fall when they go back to school. And so thank you for them. Use them mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, I'd like to uh, start out with a question this morning, and the question is this. How many of you know who this author is? This is Stephen King. He has written some wonderful children's stories uh, like Misery, uh, Carrie, uh, The Shining. Uh, He is a writer of suspense and horror uh, uh, writings and, and books. Interesting story about Stephen King that comes out in his book here on the memoirs on the style of writing where he shares about his fight and his struggle in his early years with alcohol and drug addiction. He, he believed for many years the lie that as long as he was strung out on drugs and as long as he was on this continual alcohol binge, that he would become a better writer. Uh, well, it came to a point where his wife, Tabitha, intervened one day. She was at her wit's end regarding his addictive behavior. And in this book, he begins to share the intervention that she takes in order to get him over this behavior. Listen to what she says. He said, my wife Tabitha went into my office one day, which is in our home, and took the trash can which was beside my desk. It was full of stuff, and she dumped it out on our living room rug right in front of me. Beer cans, cigarette butts, cocaine in gram bottles, Cocaine in plastic baggies, Coke spoons caked with snot and blood, whiskey bottles, Valium, bottles of Robitussin cough medicine, bottles of NyQuil, even bottles of Scope. I was downing anything I could to get high. Tabitha said the point of the intervention was to help me see that I was dying right in front of her and our children. And what she wanted me to experience was the volume of what I had been doing and had become. She wanted me to see it all at one time so it would resonate with me, stun me, and shock me back to my senses. The intervention was to be redemptive in showing me how far I had sunk and get me to the point where I was able to see what everyone else was seeing and thus change my ways. Intervention. Would you say that word with me? Intervention. Webster defines intervention as the ability to step in and take action in order to resolve a situation. And this morning as we wrap up our series on overflow, a generous heart, we will see this morning how Jesus intervenes in a very delicate situation in Luke 12. That Jesus intervenes and draws us in, helping us to see the sobering truth of what greed can do in our lives. And I want you to remember this throughout our time this morning. Greed will always be looking inward. And yet generosity always has the potential to look outward. Meet me, if you would, this morning in Luke chapter 12. Luke 12. And we're going to be starting this morning in verse 13. To give you a little bit of context while you're turning there, Jesus in Luke 12 has been speaking to a crowd of thousands. And yet merging out of that crowd is an individual who speaks out. There is an issue that's going on. There's some tension going on with an individual and their brother. And they are asking that Jesus would do something in regards to an inheritance. I don't know exactly what has gone on there. 
But there is some tension in regards to either the giving or the receiving or the withholding of an inheritance. And so they're asking Jesus to intervene. More than likely, this inheritance is, this, is a dispute over land. Because in this time, when you had land, you had wealth. And if you had a lot of land, it showed you had better social standing in the community. Look at verses 13 to 15. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. At first, it appears as if Jesus is not going to intervene. He kind of pushes back. He doesn't want to get involved. Um, he doesn't want to necessarily settle the problem. And he says these words, who appointed me as judge or arbitrator or a go-between you? In other words, you handle it on your own. I I'm not going to get involved in it. And yet, we see in the verses to come, Jesus slowly steps into the situation and intervenes. And he makes this comment. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness or greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In that one statement, Jesus uncovers or unmasks the motive that someone has in allowing greed to have that, that pull on their life. In that one statement, Jesus uncovers the motives behind someone whose life is saturated by a life of greed and wanting more. Let me ask you this morning. How many of you have ever been taken hostage by greed? Maybe it was just a little thing, but you could feel it, you could sense it. You always wanted a little bit more. We can so quickly be taken hostage by greed. But why aren't we taken hostage by generosity? What keeps us from having that gravitational pull to be generous in our life? Why is it always the gravitational pull of money and greed that seems to be the downside in our life? The gravitational pull of money can be one of the biggest obstacles from showing even the smallest amount of generosity. So Jesus helps his listeners by helping them to see the sobering thought that greed can rob us of our joy and it can rob us of the joy of being generous in our life. How does he go about this? How does he share this? How does he teach them this? By way of a story. By way of a story. Before you lay your head on the pillow tonight, someone will tell you a story. You'll be in a conversation at lunch. You'll be someplace and someone will tell you a story. A story always has a tendency to draw us in. We see it. We feel it. Uh, we, we, we think it. We hear it. If you've ever read a book and you're right there and all of a sudden you go, I did not see that coming. That story draws you in. You become a part of it. Someone will share a story with you today, and that story will always 
teach us something about ourselves, something about motives, something about a life lesson. So Jesus tells this story to help the people in the crowd, but even more so, the, the people that are grappling with the tension of this inheritance. Listen to what the story is in verse 16. And he told them a parable, saying, the, the land of rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store up all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. I want to give you five truths this morning about the gravitational pull of money. Now, I know we've been going over this generosity series, and we've been talking a lot about money, but this also deals with just, in general, things in our life. And so here's the first one. This man had a me mentality. A me mentality. We see that right from the start. A me mentality. His me mentality uh, led him to an all-consuming greed mentality. Uh, it was the me, myself, and I mentality that went on. You see it in his attitude. Uh, you see it in his motives are very self-centered. And he thinks of himself and how it will benefit him and him alone. I believe the heart of this story is in verse 17. Look at verse 17. It's with the statement, what shall I do? He's talking to himself, which is not always a good thing. He's talking to himself, well, what shall I do? Pretty self-absorbed. Could it be that we should ask the same question in light of what Jesus has done and accomplished in our lives? What shall I do? In light of all that Jesus has accomplished and all that he has prepared and all that he has provided in our life and all the abundance that he has given us, what shall I do that he has blessed us over the years? In the face of such abundance which the Lord has given us, shouldn't it pull us towards generosity instead of pulling us towards greed and wanting one more thing? Maybe the bigger question, the greater question is, what shall I do in light of what Jesus has done in my life? He had a me mentality. Honesty at Mission View today, how many of you know of somebody that's got a me mentality? And when you're with them, they talk about who? Themselves. They are so focused on themselves, they don't see the needs around them. They are stuck on me. That's what this man was. The second thing that we see here in this passage is he is blind to the needs of others. We call that tunnel vision. He, he is not thinking about others. He's not concerned about others. He is only concerned about himself. He is blinded to the needs of others. In verses 17 to 19, he says, 
What shall I do? For I have nowhere to, share, uh, to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have ample goods laid up for you many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Because of his preoccupation with self, others are not even on his radar. Do you know of somebody like that? And would someone, if they heard your name, would they say, you are blinded to the needs of others? Or would they say, oh, no, that person thinks about others all the time? It's interesting as you look at this passage, there is not one reference that this man gives to the power of God. Not one reference to the presence of God. Not one reference to the uh, provision of God or the protection of God. He is so focused on what he has, he's blinded to the needs of others. Six times, you can read it, six times in 17, 18, and 19, he uses the word, the personal pronoun, I. I would do this, and I would do that, and I will go there, and I will accomplish this, and it's followed up by my grain, and my goods, and my barns. Even his plans of the future are self-centered. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. Here's the thing about greed. It's just below the surface. It's just below the surface. We don't see it very often, but it's there. But it's just below the surface, and we know it, and we feel it, and it can come out but we try to keep it just under the surface. Let me give you an example of that. So uh, two years ago, uh, the house right across the street, beautiful home, I noticed that some guys were working on the house and they were tearing out all of the siding right by the garage. They had tore off all the siding. They, tore, they, were, they were taking out all of the wood right along the trim work of the garage. And I walked over and I said, well, what, are you, what are you doing? I said, man, uh, is there an issue? And he said, oh, yeah, we have termites. He said, termites somehow got into the walls and have eaten and bored holes into the wood, and it is being destroyed. And if we don't take care of it, it will just continue to spread. But we never saw it until one day I looked, and it just appeared that there was something wrong and as you peeled back that siding, that wood was starting to rot, and it wasn't strong anymore. Greed is like that. Greed is like a termite. It's out of sight, yet all the while boring deep into our soul. It doesn't attract much attention, but in time it eats away at our attitude to be generous and our ability to be generous. Number three, leisure was this man's ultimate goal. Look at verse 19. And I will say to myself, or I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. I've got it going on. I've got all the resources I need. I don't need to do anything anymore. I just need to kick back and let leisure be the goal. Listen, there are a lot of goals that we need to have as believers in Christ, but leisure is never one of them. You say, well, why not? Because ultimate leisure can lead to laziness. 
And laziness is never a part of the will of God. And there are times where we can take it easy and we can relax a little bit, but if leisure is our ultimate goal of I'm just going to kick back, I'm not going to do one more thing, I don't believe that is a part of God's will for our life, of ignoring the will of God. Maybe you've heard the story by John Piper. John Piper tells the story. It's, it comes out of a Reader's Digest in 1998 where John Piper shares the story about a couple that took early retirement. He was 59. She was 51. They decided to move down to sunny Florida and to retire and just make leisure their ultimate goal. So every day they would go out on their 30-foot sailboat and sail around. They'd play softball in the evening. In the morning they'd get up and collect seashells. John Piper says, now fast forward to them when they stand before the Lord one day and they need to give an account for what they've done with their life. And the Lord says, what have you done with the life that I've given you? And they say, well, Lord, don't you love our seashell collection? That's a wasted life. Now, if you're sitting here today saying, well, I collect seashells, you've missed the point. You've missed the point. Every single one of us has a role to play while we're here on earth. Every single one of us has an opportunity through our life as the Spirit of God moves us and directs us to do something great for the glory of God. I don't think it's to be like this man. Our lives were not meant to just relax and, and eat and drink and be merry. And that becomes our ultimate goal. There's something greater there's something better for us. John Piper says this, life is wasted when we go through life not living for the glory of God. And I mean all of life. We waste our lives when we do not weave God into every facet and area of our being by enjoying and displaying him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with retirement. There's nothing wrong with taking it easy every once in a while, but it's wrong to make leisure as our ultimate goal in life. Can I give you some other goals to strive for? How about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. How about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. How about Galatians 2.20? For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Those are ultimate goals that we need to consider as a follower of Jesus. We'll look at the fourth one of the gravitational pool of money, and that is he had a twisted view of both life and death. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, see, he's talking to himself again, soul, you have ample good laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. He, he thought life and peace came from the abundance and the accumulation of things, and he saw death as far away. This is a younger generation mindset. I'm glad you're sitting here today. I'm glad you teens are here today because what will happen this week will have more impact on you than any car you buy and all the money you can collect. God will do something in each one of your hearts if you are open and available this week that will change you completely. And it's not about how much stuff you have. 
It's about honoring God and walking with him. And this man had a very skewed and twisted view of life and death. The reality for this man is that no matter how much money he had, which he felt wasn't enough, it wouldn't last. Nor would it keep him alive when it came his time to die. James 4.14, our life is a vapor. It's a mist. I was going to bring a match in today and light it. You can do it at home. You light the match, you blow it out. That smoke lasts for two, maybe three seconds. That's what James is saying. Our life is a vapor. Our life is a mist. It goes so fast. What are we doing with it that will matter for eternity? It's interesting as you look at this passage too, this man completely feels like he is the ultimate owner of these crops. That he, that he is the one that has produced it all. He gives no inkling at all that there is a creator of the universe who has supplied the sun and the seed and the rain and the soil. He acts as if he is the owner of all of that. Friends, the resources God has given us, it's his to begin with. It's his resources. We're just the caretakers of it. And so he has a twisted view of both life and death that he felt like he could live forever. Number five, he left everything behind and sent nothing ahead. He failed to consult God, and so he lived without God, and he died without God. He never consulted God. We live in a society, you know this, we live in a time in a society where our things have become our God. And we completely have snuffed out the creator of the universe. Look at the response that Jesus gives in verses 20 and 21. What does he call this man? Tell me. A fool. You are a fool. Now, I wouldn't go around telling people you're a fool, but if the shoe fits, wear it. And this guy was a fool. He thought like a fool. He lived like a fool. And he was certainly he failed in preparing for eternity. He was a fool in not preparing for that. What we do in life will echo throughout all eternity. It will. People may forget what you look like, but they will never forget how you live. And for all of this, for all that this man had, all of his planning, all of his treasures, it ended up going into the hands of somebody else. My grandma was 80-some years old. She lived very close to Hoover. Uh, we're not in Hoover. We're at uh, Hoover High School. Lived very close to the Hoover factory. When she died, she had lived during the Depression. She stockpiled money in the house. We had heard that she had done this. And when she died... My sister and I, my mom and dad, we got to go in that house. We had first dibs on the house. <laughs> you think I'm going to show up for that? Yes. <laughs> we go in, and, and all of a sudden, um, I hear, and this was during a time, maybe you remember this, there was a commercial uh, where someone would go, cha-ching, cha-ching. All of a sudden, I hear my sister in, in another bedroom going, cha-ching, cha-ching, and there's $400. 
I hear my dad. He's over. He's, he, they're in the pillows. They're zipped up. They're, they're, they're stitched up in the pillows. There's money. And my dad's going, cha-ching, cha-ching. My mom says, now, Craig, you go over here and you undo the, this dresser drawer, which is filled with just her bras. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Why? And right alongside of that dresser drawer was an envelope. And I opened it up, and it was jam full of money. And I went, cha-ching, cha-ching. No. <laughs> I said, cha-ching, cha-ching. She had all of this money. But it would go into the hands of someone else. And it didn't go into my hands. It went into my parents' hands. We so desperately want more. But what will that prove in the end? We'll just hand it off to someone else. The issue for this man and for many is not having, but holding that keeps us from giving. Look at verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Maybe you've heard me say in my time with you, that millions of people every day waste their lives on things that don't matter and don't change and don't, don't fulfill. And like, like sand going through an hourglass, we find ourselves saying, where did the time go in my life? Where we should be asking, what did I do with my life that will matter? That when you get up in the morning and you shuffle your way to the bathroom and you look in the mirror, will you do something that day that will really matter for eternity? Or will it just be another day? Because I don't believe God put us on this earth just to recreate, procreate, do deals and die. He, he, he brought us, he, he ordained us to come to, to be a part of this earth so that we could make an impact and let the light of Jesus Christ shine in a dark world. We were created for his good purpose. His pleasure becomes our pleasure. So how can generosity intervene over greed? These are some practical ways for you to take with you. Number one, don't be cheap. Don't be cheap. Be generous in your giving. Be generous in your tipping, okay? Uh, some of you work in a restaurant and you know what I'm talking about. Be generous in your tipping. Be generous in giving something to someone without expecting anything. Be generous. My, my neighbor, 4th of July weekend, has a ton of people over at his house. Guess what he runs out of? Propane for his grill. I see the panic look as he's running across. I'm in the backyard. He's like, Craig, Craig, can I, can I borrow your propane? Can I borrow your propane? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't get my calculator out and say, you know what? You have used 4.5 liters of propane. It's going to cost you $125. I don't do that much. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, take it. Do you know why? Because it's happened to me where I have people over and I'm grilling out and all of a sudden you can tell what the propane goes down and you're like, no, 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 no. And I'm running over. We have learned the value of being generous to each other of not being cheap. Don't be cheap in loaning or giving of yourself or your time or your stuff. 
two, don't expect payback. That, that is not generosity. If you're expecting payback, then don't call it generosity. It's amazing how much we can do and how much we can accomplish when we don't worry about who gets the credit or who gets the attention. So we're at Aldi, my wife and I. We're, we're, we're bringing out the groceries. I've got the CRV, the, the trunks up, and uh, my wife gets in, and, and, I'm, and, and all of a sudden I turn, and he's right there. I didn't even see him. And he's standing there like this. And I'm thinking, what is in your hands? And he says, hey, he said, I need money for the bus, but they will not accept all these pennies. Is there any way that you can give me $3 for the bus? I'll, I'll give you these pennies. And my mind is, I don't want those pennies. <laughs> and I said, I'll tell you what, you keep the pennies and I'll give you $3. What? I said, yeah, I'll give you $3. Oh, man, I'll pay you back. I said, you don't need to pay me back. I don't even know who you are. Just take the money. And he didn't know how to respond. And so here he is trying to hold on to the 300 pennies that he has in his hand. And, and I give him $3. And he walks away. And I go, hey, buddy. And he turns. I go, you are going to the bus, right? He said, yeah. And as we pull out, he is walking over to where he's going to catch the bus. I didn't expect payback. I didn't expect to say, hey, listen, I will meet you here tomorrow. I want my $3 back or else. No. Sometimes it's just good to be generous. Someone is down on their luck and you say, you know what? I have the ability to meet that person's need. If I don't, how then can I say the love of God is in my heart? Third, Pay for the person behind you. Okay, so you're at a dollar movie theater and you see a couple behind you and they're an older couple and you're like, you know what, we're going to take care of them. I've done it. I'll say, you know what, uh, I'm, I want to take care of these two people. Okay, here's $2. Don't tell them it was me. Just tell them someone's paid for your movie tonight. I love to watch the response. They're wondering, who did this? I was at a basketball game last, uh, uh, last year, a, a high school basketball game, and the man behind me is very influential in the school. He's an older gentleman, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to pay for what he, whatever he, he orders. So I said to the lady, I said, I'm going to give you $10. Whatever he wants, get it for him, okay? And if he doesn't use all of it, just give it to the school or whatever. And the man walked up, and I'm just kind of, you know, eyeing it, and I see him going, what? what? What do you mean? She was explaining to him that someone had provided for him that he didn't have to pay for his snacks or whatever. It just feels so good. It feels so good. There's a person that has done something. Uh, maybe it's a pay toll. It's a dollar pay toll. Blow the person's mind away and pay for it. And, and, and watch as you're driving away and they go, what? Sometimes being generous can be an awful lot of fun as well. So don't expect payback and pay for the person behind you. Be intentional in looking for ways to be generous. Number four, give without remembering. Take without forgetting. Give without remembering. Take without forgetting. And the fifth one, 
Skip one to impact another. Skip one to impact another. Uh, di divert your one specific expense for the greater good of generosity. Now, I'm probably going to make some enemies here because I am holding up a Starbucks cup. And some of you live and die for Starbucks. You've got to have your caffeine every single day. What I want to tell you right now does not mean for you to stop drinking Starbucks, okay? But I want to help you to understand something. If we, we can be generous without even really it, it taking a lot of time or effort. If we skip one to impact another. So you go into Starbucks and you get a, a cafe, latte, macchiato, skim milk, a double pump, uh, espresso, grande. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But you get one. $3.85. $3.85. And let's say you get five of those a week, not a day, maybe. A week. That adds up to $19.25 times four over the course of the month is $77 times 12 for the year is $924. Would you consider getting Starbucks three two or three times a week instead of five, and taking that money that you would spend, putting in a jar, and praying about how can I be generous. Maybe it goes to a well. Maybe it goes to some resources for pastors overseas that don't get resources. Maybe it's for Bibles. You know, we think that everybody has a Bible overseas, but I can tell you, you go to certain countries, and they would love a Bible. And so to be able to be generous and you can have your coffee and be generous too. How will you show generosity this week? But I think a better question is, how will you show generosity now that this series is over? What has God done? How has he drawn you? How has he challenged and even convicted you to say, I want to be a person who is generous. I don't want to live my life with such I mentality that I forget about others. Instead of getting sucked into the gravitational pool of money which can lead to greed, let's strive to be followers of Christ who generously intervene over greed, which leads to great joy in this life and also the life to come, that our lives would overflow with generosity. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this passage. Lord, thank you for what we see in this passage and what we need to avoid and also the challenge of what we need to do. Lord, for each person here, we may not have an awful lot and yet, Lord, there are so many things that you have done over the years in abundance time and time again. And so may we not be cheap. May we find ourselves being willing to be generous with others as you have been incredibly generous to us. And that through that generosity, we would see the joy of what it means to know you and love you and reach out 
to a world that desperately needs you. We thank you for being generous. In Jesus' name, amen.